0: are back for part two of the season finale, Building Communities in Fandom. Super, super excited for you to hear the rest of this really insightful and fun conversation. A little bit of a content warning. So this episode does go into some more mental health topics and also some topics about transphobia, racism, and just some of the battles that we have to face when a fandom space becomes toxic. So, you know, just making sure you're aware. This episode picks up where I am asking Nisha, Bianca, and JC about advice for people who are just entering the fandom spaces and talking a little bit about the dark side of fandom. Just as a reminder, these are my guests, Nisha, who is a nurse practitioner, who also is the CEO of Diversity Geek, which is a organization focused on developing mental wellness by helping people embrace their inner geek. JC is also a guest of mine, and he is the founder of the Facebook group GaypoC, which is a group focused on supporting LGBTQIA+. POC gamers in the gaming space and in the video game space. And then finally, my other guest is Bianca, who is a force in the Jane Austen and period drama fandom space. Her Facebook group, Jane Austen Universe, actively encourages discourse around Jane Austen's works and doesn't shy away from subjects including race, gender, and class i hope you enjoyed the last episode of the season if you want to continue to support introspectional please pass this episode and any episodes that you love onto your friends i also have a sponsorship on my anchor site so you can help with that as well and please follow us on the social media specifically on twitter and oh one last thing being that i'll be starting the second season soon Please follow me on Twitter and let me know what subjects you would be interested in having introspectional cover next season. Should we be talking about wearables? Do we go into the superhero stories? Do we talk about Marvel? I'm totally open to audience suggestions. So get on uh, the Twitterverse and let me know. All right, on to the episode. Just in general, what advice would you give to people from children to adults who are just now finding their way through various fandom spaces, you know? We haven't talked a ton about the gatekeepers, but we've grazed by them in this conversation a little bit. So yeah, what advice would you give to people who are just starting out? Trust your gut.
1: Trust your gut. For me, as much as like there's tons of other advice, I think the big thing is, When you start to get the tingles about something not being okay, maybe it's not overt. I think a a lot of the times, the first time you feel that it's not an overt thing. It's sometimes there's something missing. I think a lot of tone is lost over text spaces. And sometimes you kind of like, oh, I'm trying to second guess if I read that as what it could be. I think trust your gut. Like The biggest thing is don't waste time in places that don't want to protect you, but especially trust your gut if you're feeling something not right. I think there's a lot of things that you're going to feel are great, good, feel great. But I also say, don't waste time in the places that are not going to keep you safe and just trust
2: it. Like trust that thing in your body. I a hundred percent agree with that. Trust your gut. One of the most important things you have to pay attention to is any community that taps into unwellness or any negative spaces or negative influences and makes your mind go in a direction that's not healthy those are not for you. Don't go there. Walk away from them. It's okay not to give those a chance. That's perfectly fine because I promise you there's another community out there that's a healthy, supportive, and empathetic and compassionate one. There's no allowing, okay? I don't like that term. There's another community out there in which you are embraced and your voice is relevant. And if you're not sure that you can find one, then make one. Just like we discussed today, do that thing. Many times I've engaged in a social media community because I thought it was something that would make sense for me. And when my conversations don't seem to to find an audience, okay, cool. I'll just listen to you guys, but I'm going to move on to something else where there is a two-sided conversation, uh, a dialogue, not a monologue. So one dialogues, not monologues Two, safe space positive supportive and empathetic and compassionate spaces that's what you need
1: yeah and I think your monologue thing is so on point because sometimes there are places that are built around a person or the popularity contest and sometimes the biggest groups aren't going to be the place that you want to be like it might be cool for some folks but I think what you said is spot on about sometimes you can just listen but you can find your place to have the conversation somewhere else I think that there's a lot of pressure about FOMO In this space and i think sometimes you just have to accept that you know what maybe you're not really missing all that much
2: anyway like it's fine Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that's okay there's no negative to that there's no negative feedback to it it's okay to walk away that was a big one to learn i will tell you that
0: and there's no right way to be a fan You
2: don't ever let anybody tell you that nonsense Uh -uh. oh and it's okay to cry people just saying
3: I struggle (laughs) with this. I I might be about to shake the table on this a little bit.
0: All right,
3: I had an incident yesterday in a War of Divisions Global, which is a gotcha game that consists of 19,000 members. And a white guy felt like it was prevalent to make a post where he was saying that Barrett from Final Fantasy VII would be the first Black character in the game. There are about five Black characters that came before this character. And it's left to interpretation, but there's a main antagonist in the second season of this game that just dropped in Japan from this country named Rudolph. He goes by the name of Jaden. You could interpret that he's of Latin nationality when you look at him. So I was on the post and what you guys are saying right now was in the front of my head. As I started to read how ignorant the comments were, it started to recede to the back. So if I could give any advice to anybody who's navigating a potentially dangerous space, know your capacity to fight. And if you can, do it. i give you an example. I commented on this post and I said, I'm exhausted. I'm in a top 50 guild in this game, global. So when you pull up rankings, we're out there. you know." And I was like, as a black gotcha game player, I cannot tell you how exhausted I am in these spaces where y'all consistently use the N-word, where y'all consistently think it's okay to talk about Black people in a game and you're not Black. This is a conversation where if it does not affect you directly, you probably shouldn't be having this conversation because the dog whistles that you might sound off during your discussion might be potentially harmful to somebody like me in this space. The admin of the group jumped on the post and said we're not deleting this because this is a good discussion to have after I have a ton of white people in my comments telling me I'm ignorant because I see color first and that I'm making a big deal out of nothing and I mean the comments were really like you know it was just that community itself is already like very perverse in how they view women so it's enough to deal with that and just kind of have to gut check here and there. But to see the conversation about who is and is not Black amongst a bunch of people that are not Black, it just was aggravating. And I had to check the administrator and I had to tell them, excuse me, this is harmful. I can't tell you how many times I have come into groups like this and how dangerous it is. Maybe you should consider the importance of Black and brown bodies navigating these spaces and the sensitivity you might want to display to these types of topics that are being had by communities that are not affected. So I say that to say, know your capacity to fight. The fight in that community alone, in the gotcha gamer community for black and brown people is immense. Like we have a extremely long way to go. And I sit here right now saying that because I've wrestled with whether or not I should make a group for Black Gacha Gamers across the, you know, the variety of games that we play because we do have Black Gacha Gamer content creators, Clint Wolf, and there are some others that escape my mind right now, but they're, they're great at what they do and the respective games that they play, but the audience is just saturated by these conversations being had by people who are not affected by these communities, and I'm just like, this is wild. Even how they address feminine-looking men, and they call them traps still, that's a derogatory term have to continually walk in there and say excuse me this is not and then they tell me don't push your americanized culture on me you know what i'm saying so know your capacity to fight no harm when you see it but if you are a fighter i just want to encourage you with my voice today please fight because i need you like i i can't do this alone i understand what self-care is know what your self-care is first evaluate but if you've got it in you to throw a punch throw it because we're not winning in this community and there are other communities affected I could go on for days but I just wanted to use gotcha as a highlight because this just happened last night and it sucks to be an excelling player in a game or in a community and you know people navigate around the space like this and then you want to go create another space but there's only like three or four of you You know what I'm saying? So you got a group of four. Where do you get your information from? Can you work over time? I know me personally, I seek my guild. And my guild strategist, he's a white person and he lives in the West Coast and I'm okay with that. And we've had this conversation and he respects and he understands. But when it comes to this, how do you really rebuild if there's so few of you? And I just think that in fighting for those that can, for those that are capable, we start to identify ourselves. And as each of us fight in different areas at different times, more of us will pop up. More of us will inbox and say, hey, this This has happened to me too. Hey, I understand where you're coming from. And then we do get to a place where we can start building community.
2: That is part of self-care in the long run and self-awareness and self-reflection. I'm all for it. I have absolutely done it more than one time in my life. I promise you. Like I said, yo, Indo-Caribbean 55-year-old geek nerd woman speaking geek to people who, especially Star Wars. They're like, yeah, you girl, what are you talking about? I'm like, Really? Come at me. Mm-hmm. hmm I <laughs> and I oftentimes represent DC on DC and Marvel conversations because people. I promise you, I have been challenged not once but three times on air to prove that I know Marvel and DC. And I get where you're coming from, JC. Yeah, I totally understand you. Put the fight out there, but don't saturate your mind or your heart. Just remember that. Do the fight, but not to the extent of your own personal mental health just don't get there because that has happened and that's where it becomes high level toxicity and that's the community we're talking about walking away from i hope that clarifies (laughs) but you do your thing Mm -hmm. i'm here i'll support you
3: i definitely know my limits the post ended up getting deleted to bring conclusion to that. I only had to write two comments for that though, but I, I presented myself in a way where I had to let them know I couldn't just run out there cussing and acting crazy and wanted. I really did present myself in a professional fashion to say, hey, as a contributor to this game, I've spent enough money to say what I'm saying to you right now. And I would invite you to consider what I'm saying as a contributor to this brand and how it moves forward, you know, as a patron, that this can be dangerous for us. And I didn't want to put it in a way where I'm um, saying abandon mental health and, you know, go out there. I always say first, evaluate if you know you got the capacity. Throw a punch. And you know, you got the capacity to brawl, brawl. But I don't want you to brawl and then turn into Eddie Brock and start talking to your symbiote afterward because then that's unhealthy. You know what I mean? So, just to bring relevance to that point, don't embrace your inner phoenix too much.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that so much. And there's something to be definitely said for how you grow in this community, I feel, because I feel like when you just start out, you're you're not ready to fight yet you are young padawan 1.0 you're just getting in and so I feel like when you are like just starting out and I think that's the point to like really trust your gut and be like oh this is fun wait they became not fun And and so, you know, that might be the point to back away, but as you grow, as you develop, as you develop in your space, I know my background is partially in oppression studies. And so I've studied racism, sexism, homophobia, and really, you know, delved into systemic oppression and what that looks like. So, and I've done uh, diversity training professionally, and I'm still a geek in this space. So, you know combining those things is part of my education and also sometimes it's time to fight sometimes I will give you a dissertation about why this is a problem and you'll be like but I don't see oh don't worry I will lay this out for you in graphic detail you will see by the time we are done and, and, and I feel like some of the things about you know being a geek, being a nerd, one of the definitions that I heard Donald Glover say, he was like, being a geek just means that you have interests that take work.
3: Uh,
0: uh, uh, uh. And so like, when you are someone who, what you enjoy is an interest that takes work. And then also you have delved into your identity psyche and how that moves into the space which is also something that is an understanding that takes work you've done all that work and someone then wants to start something you're like oh oh (laughs) in case you ever want to know if someone ever says i have time today you should run
3: that's it go ahead
0: if they ever have time You made a mistake. Bianca, do you want to weigh in on this? (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes I I mean like what you said like when you're first starting out it's hard it's hard to know like the ways people are talking in spaces and everything and what those really mean in the background conversations I have just joined a discord community that there was a ton of stuff that needed to be unpacked for months and that blew up like those things are real they're gonna happen you're not gonna know a whole history of the community I definitely agree that like after you're in the place for a while sometimes you're just like wait no I do need to speak up. I think knowing your energy is part of it. I would say like finding your friends and allies in those spaces who are also like, that's not okay. That is really, I think, critical and crucial because not only are they going to be people who are like, I just recently had where they're like, I noticed that you don't agree with this problematic stuff. Here's the link to the safe discord. And it's like, thank you. You have the knowledge, you have the internal community knowledge that helps me and helps again that place grow because eventually those things are going to trickle back to each other right there's going to be a cross because if you have a shared love of something even if you're in two different spaces there's going to be cross pollination if you will of those ideas some people are going to feel at least going into those safe smaller spaces we can confer we can have a safe conversation where we know we're being honest about things we can share that background and then we can come back together sometimes into that bigger space and say Hey, I'm now confident in talking about this. Cause some people are not good confrontation. Even if you firmly, you know, that you experienced hateful things. Even if you did, there are still people who are sometimes going to need the backup to talk about it, to confront those spaces again, especially those big groups, especially those big popular groups with big verified people in them. Sometimes it's hard, but I also think in the process of growing into fandom and learning Find the people who you know are going to have your back. Find the people who you know are going to hear you out and be honest. Because I think surrounding yourself with people who can give you real feedback uh, about like, hey, so... I totally agree, but like maybe let's reframe how you're coming at this because you're really upset about it right now. And I think that maybe your vision and what you're trying to say may get lost in how you're entrenched in something. And there might be people who aren't as entrenched and you need to maybe step it back for them so they understand this. There are a bunch of ways to go about it. I think the big thing is always like, everyone said, know your energy, but also like find the people who can have your back and who can listen to you and hear you. Because I think those are the things that help you in the long run, not only stay consistent in a space, but also keep you sane and are the people who can tell you when you need to take a break for you. Because I think taking breaks is the other long run thing that we don't need to get into right now, but it's also something to just keep on the radar that it doesn't mean that you're giving up. Sometimes it just means that you're taking care of yourself.
0: And self-care is revolutionary. We already like started on what my next question was, just like, how do we deal with the dark side of fandom, whether it be dog piles, prejudice, or trolls? And, you know, we kind of already hit it, but is there anything about that subject that you particularly want to hit that like, okay, when the dark side of fandom comes, here is a little something that I want you to know or that I'd like to pass on, or I'd like to help you deal with.
3: Can I speak to something real, really quick? I want to speak to community when fandom is concerned, because this is a huge crossroads for my group. I'm going to take a point of vulnerability because it kind of bothers me that I have people in my group that exude gay privilege. And even when I say this term, the guys look at me like I'm nuts, but they forget that since the inception of gay pop, that A stands for allied and it stands for allied inclusive, allied exclusive. It is a reflexive A. And we need to learn how to demonstrate ourselves and use our voice, even as marginalized, because we are larger, to stand in front and defend without contest and stand in solidarity, those who are in smaller marginalized communities. I have issues in my group with the education of non-binary and what that means when it comes to nerd culture. The, education of trans and what that means when it comes to culture and I feel like I am failing as a leader because I'm not properly able to just pull 2400 guys and say can you please get this really quick because there are people that are hurting in these communities and it's best that we demonstrate ourselves approved so that we can protect them too because it was us 10 years ago you know what I'm saying it was us eight years ago it was us three years ago when this didn't exist and groups before it came and fell apart. As a leader, I feel like it is accountability on me to point out how hard this is, because I don't get to blame somebody else. I'm failing here. And I am a strong believer of this motto that I carry with me close to my heart. You don't choose activism, it chooses you. And because activism chose me, I have a responsibility to do right by that. I have people in my group who have left because people have made jokes about Thanksgiving. People who have left over the Sam Smith incident we had last year. I had somebody make a post say, our allies welcome in here. We vet every white person that comes into that group. I know each and every one of them. We do not let them in unless they are known by at least somebody on the panel or at least somebody can vouch for them or I know them personally. And it it was heartbreaking to see how that all kind of, where community was concerned, coming apart. So to answer your question about how do you navigate the dark sides of fandom, I think I want to be vulnerable and say, sometimes I don't know, maybe somebody can help educate me as a leader, because I didn't have the answers. I just jumped into this. And it's okay to ask yourself, I think is what I'm trying to say here as a leader. Sometimes it's okay to look in the mirror and ask yourself, how am I going to do this? because there have been days where I'm looking in the mirror and I'm saying, how am I going to do this? And I got non-binary people upset with me because I can't force the education. They're not safe. I have trans people in my group. They are not safe. You know what I mean? And it's like, I want to bring all of my gay men together and tell them as gamers, we have to learn how to conducively approach this where we are safe and protecting. I get y'all feel comfortable. But maybe I can invite you to consider sometimes there is another community with us that doesn't feel comfortable and they need us too. And even talking about how great my brand is and how good it's doing, I still say we're not without fault. We're still moving. And I think it's a part of the introduction of what it is to have a space like this for us. This is the dark side of creating that because now you get to approach ignorance head on from certain individuals and you have things that you have to unpack. I'm still working through it. I'm still talking. I'm blocking some folks and I don't want people to think that I'm just, you know, really, really up in arms, but I definitely have gotten to a place where, I think with the education, I'm impatient. And I just find some ways that, you know, I try to stretch the patient out. I see going live is good. I see doing these podcasts and sharing them with people is good. I see being honest and transparent is good. That's the navigation that I'm going through. But I think it was important to just speak in that moment about fandom and community. Because I think community, especially when you're dealing with different fandoms as a whole, it's important to point that out because it kind of goes under the radar and they still feel hurt. Thank you so much for
0: sharing. And what, what I'm hearing is, Intersectionality is a lot more complicated than a lot of people think it is. Mm -hmm. Because we all live at different intersections of both oppression and privilege. So just because you are from an oppressed or marginalized identity in one instance, doesn't mean that you can't hurt somebody else, you know, of a different identity and you may be the privileged one in that space or in that instance. And so there's always something to learn. There's always some place to grow and there's always a way you can do something wrong, you know, because when it comes to systemic oppression in its myriad of forms, we eat the food, drink the Kool-Aid, breathe the poisonous air with everyone. So even if you recognize one poison, cause that's the one that can kill you, you may not recognize another one and hurt someone else. And that's really hard especially when you fought whatever oppression you're facing and that has been like the struggle of your life. And so if that's the struggle of your life. And someone's like, yeah, I know you've done this struggle for your life, but you're also hurting someone else. It's like, what, how? I've, I've been climbing up this mountain of pain. What do you mean me like kicking my foot down is hurting someone else? That doesn't make any sense. It's confusing and we all have a lot to learn and really hard and really complicated but very humbling. And we layer fandom on top of that because sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I found this great community. I'm so excited. All the problems of the outside world are out there and here I'm safe. And then you find out someone just let the Trojan horse ride it and it's still there. I'm then monologuing.
2: So one of the things I'm hearing is how do we protect and address the interests of inter and intersectional communities as leaders? So what can we do to avoid toxic and negative rhetoric and support the wider needs of the fans and followers while supporting positive dialogue and allow for conversation in a whole? That's what we're asking, right? So yeah, JC, let me just tell you, there have been days when I have been in tears with my kids. And I'll tell you why. It's because even recently, the reason I decided to push so, 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 so hard to get the foundation up and running is I've said to them, I see the wider birth of harmful language out here. I see the wider birth of toxicity. I see the fact that mental illness is damaging so many people and that there's so many people who still haven't been able to find a home. And a safe space. And uh, I see them suffering. And while I say every life matters and it a thousand percent does, every single one that I know I haven't been able to touch, it actually physically hurts and it affects me because it means, dang, I didn't get it to them in time. Ugh, I didn't get it to someone who could help them in time. It is painful. As a medical provider, it's just painful in the same way. And I'm going to tell you, you can only spread yourself so thin. There's only so many spaces that your star and the lights of your star are going to be able to touch. And you physically have no control over that. You have to work within the spaces of what you can manage safely within your control. That old adage about choosing your battles has more to do about the fact that you have to go towards the ones that you can systematically work towards creating an answer for, but say to people, look, I know this is the larger question, I'm your leader, I'm recognizing it, but I want you to understand, I will have no tolerance for these things, and that's a fact, and that's what it is, that's it, done, 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 however, give me time to address it in a way that's effective, that's professional, that's educated, and that's going to be um, appropriate for the people who we need to support your call to action statements as a leader is everything. Remember, you are the leader of that community. When people are not following the leadership, as long as the leadership is a healthy leadership and your messaging is positive, they're with you for a reason. And you need to say, oh, we will not tolerate this. We didn't create this community for you to be diversive or to be toxic. And if you do not understand that, then you are absolutely welcome to exit. And that's how you have to address it. Because that's what's in the wheelhouse of your control right now, right? That's the thing that you can do. And those are the people that you can reach right now. And it's then up to them to hear that conversation you're having with them, because you just opened that conversation. And then put into action what it is you need to do to support and protect the people who need your protection. The number one thing is protecting the people who need your protection. Our language has always said, and one of the reasons we have not grown much larger in a lot of uh, Western societies is because people do not understand why we don't allow certain types of toxic language, because we don't. We are a positive messaging organization and don't try it because it ain't going to fly. It's going bye-bye. Everyone understands that about us. It's the way it is. And so maybe they may not feel like they can have an open dialogue with us, but you know what? You can. Just watch the way you're speaking. Speak with respect. And if you don't know something, don't speak to it. Ask. So it's actually in our language about asking versus saying. That's always something. Those are the things I'm going to recommend for right for right now. And that's what we've learned, we needed to incorporate. We actually, every panel we lead with this conversation, every panel, we make this statement. This is who we are. This is what we will not
0: allow. This is the way it is. This is the safety of this space. It reminds me of Oprah to say they're at Maya Angelou's house and someone had said something, you know, something negative or problematic. Like they, they, someone had said something that Maya did not want in her house. And apparently she was like outside, this person was inside and she heard it and came back, you need to go. Cause words are things, she said. They stick to the walls, they stick to your space. They have power. And so we need to be conscious of our words and also the words that we allow in our space and the intent that we allow in our space. And what I love so much about all three of you is how much all three of you care. And, and anyone hearing this podcast, I hope that you can take to heart that there are people on the ground and leaders and people who not only care about the fandoms and care about the things that we read and watch and consume, but also care about the people that it affects too. It's such a huge part of who we are and what we want to do. And I guess lastly, just a question about basically hope stories, if you will. How have you seen fandom communities, yours or others, affect people's lives? How have you seen fandom make people's lives better?
1: I will start with the sappiest story ever, which is that I found my partner through fandom, period. This is like a love story because I think that sometimes we need love stories. I'm that sappy person. I'm the Jane Austen person here. Obviously, I love this. So backstory. I was hella jaded about dating. Like I'm going to be real with you because I think sometimes people need to hear it. It's real. This can happen. It happened to me. I lived it. Area woman falls in love with nerd. I just moved to a big city, San Francisco. I was in an adjacent city. So it wasn't like small town girl, but I had been jaded because I had tried to date nerdy kind of guys, where they still fake fangirl me and do the weird things. And it just was like, oh, come on. And I just kind of resigned myself to being single forever and I'd moved to a city and in this big city, San Francisco, there was a Star Wars night in a museum because Rogue One was just coming out. And so they did this after dark thing at a museum. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go to this. I'll like go have fun. And I'm a person who will do stuff by myself because sometimes you just have to do that. It's how you get out there. I went to this Star Wars night. It's at this museum. It's after dark. I go up to this table to learn about lightsaber training because there's like local groups to do lightsaber classes. And I met my now husband there and like literally we just had like a two minute conversation. He never like, this is wild because the standards I would argue have never been so low but also so high. Cause like he was just nice to me. He didn't try to fake fangirl me. He didn't try to question why I was really there. He was just like kind and sweet and funny and nerdy and like it was amazing (laughs) and like I just couldn't stop thinking about him and I was just like this is like the first time I've had this kind of interaction with a dude in this fandom that wasn't just completely trash and we messaged each other and then like our first date was at a chocolate shop and like we've just loved each other through Star Wars through fandom no matter how trash that fandom has been at times and how trash that franchise can sometimes be we got engaged at galaxy's edge during cast preview like it was just me and him in this little like secluded area and like we got married and our stuff said mr and mrs star wars because we're so silly but like that's just who we are and we can love each other we can love each other through the good and the bad and through the good and the bad of the fandom (laughs) because you know sometimes again like those foundational relationships you make based on fandom to bring it all back to what i said earlier is those are strong relationships and like they go beyond just the thing uh, that you fell in love with, but like it's real and like you can have it. It's out there, it's real, I can attest to it and it's just funny. And like this is to end the wildness of my life, of that that, that part of this we just got married this year. And We literally got married in our living room. (laughs) I was wearing like my Princess Leia belt. He 3D printed me um, Leia's lightsaber to hold my bouquet. Like we're nerdy. Like we are so nerdy, y'all. My friend made the ring holder, which was Wilbur Hood's ice cream maker. Because that's like a vault in Star Wars. So she made that the ring holder. Like all these silly things came together, right? But it was just ultimately me and him in our (laughs) living room. And we took some photos in the backyard. And someone from the New York Times found them and like wrote up a story for us in New York Times for our like living room wedding and it's the funniest thing for me because like from that people have been like this is amazing and nerdy and I never get to see these nerd love stories held up to like New York Times level and like the whole thing was just funny to me because I'm like sure if you want to write about us go ahead but like it's warmed my heart to see other nerds be like wait no I needed to hear this story because I needed to know this wasn't some fantasy that like it does, it it exists, it's out there for me. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like, that's real. And like, you can find love. You can find lasting relationships, whether it's like a partner or it's like the people who are gonna be there for you on your wedding day or for the important events or for even the sad events. Like they're real and they're there and they're lasting. And again, like the foundational relationships can be built on fandom, but it doesn't have to just be fandom. Like you make those spaces for yourselves. I think that's why found family is such an important thing in the media that we've consumed, but that's also in where we make our families here that we're talking about. Like those are important to us to see reflected media because we've often had to make them ourselves. And yeah, so love is real. It's out there. Like I know other people, there are other amazing stories through fandom. I will recommend if you haven't seen Looking for Leia, it's a whole documentary series love that Uh, documentary
0: love it love it love it
1: i think that at its core it's a love letter to the good about fandom to the good things that come from fandom to the beautiful moments that people have had that they've bonded over that they've created together through star wars which i think too is a fandom that has had so many good and bad but i think it's really important to have those documentations of the good because that's what keeps us here as much as there are days that i want to scream into the woods about something that just happened i also want to just extol that like we are here because there's good in it there's beautiful moments that are going to last with us forever because of these spaces
0: absolutely love is real good
1: to know <laughs> it's not just a, it's not just an ad for going to star wars things
0: literally like love is real y'all <laughs> uh JC, what about you do you have any stories of
3: positive effects of fandom so for those of you who are familiar with the cosplay community we out here i have a friend named chris dixon you guys may know him as mr tetris cosplay and probably about i want to say six months ago we had this conversation about What he wanted to do. He kept saying, do you know any houses in Atlanta? I kind of want to move. He had started doing cosplay armor. He got some printers and his armor started catching steam. And he had a conversation about, can I make a business and then buy my house on a business? And my response to him was to dream bigger. I kept telling him, what you're doing is not just cosplay props. You have a potential to go to HBO and start doing set design. You know, you're in that vein. Let's really recategorize what it is that you're actually doing here when you're making props or you're making these pieces. Because on an amateur level, this could be your end goal. It's not gonna take you a doctorate in order to get there if the notoriety is being spread through social media. Chris is ahead of me right now. He took my advice and created a group called Black Cosplay Boosters. And then he founded his nonprofit. And now, He's looking at creating events across the country. Now he's looking at, you know, moving to Atlanta without needing a business or a nonprofit or anything of that nature. He has cultivated in three months and created an entire movement. I think his group has like as many people as I have now, you know, and now other larger Black nerd campaigns are looking, they just needed that voice. All of the Black cosplayers in the country, they were just looking for a group that they felt like would represent them without contest. And he provided that. There are other Black cosplay groups that are out, but I've seen some of the content, you know, and the conversations that they've been having about how they're structured and created. Even up until two days ago, I sent them a screenshot of somebody who felt like they couldn't express themselves in a group because like you said about gatekeeping, they felt like the arena for the Safe Space got gentrified which I guess would be another conversation for another show and then it came to Chris's group and he's doing like these Suge Knight cosplay renditions of like him and his admins and it's just like what this man is doing is just absolutely incredible I love to see what the idea of somebody who doesn't come into the conflict of impossible can become in reality And I think with what he does with Black Cosplay Boosters, it's so much positivity for that community at large. They're having their own discussions, navigating themselves. I've rarely seen anything like it, so I want to shout him out. Rudy Blanco in the Bronx with... VXG, Bronx Gamers, he's going to schools and talking to teachers and he's cultivating kids and bringing them in and approaching the queer perspective in that manner. Um, Of course, my sensei Gordon Bellamy, what you do and what you have done in gaming from your documentary on High Score, what you've done with Jeff Goldblum on Plus, what you do at USC, what you've done for Madden, the Game Awards, Overwatch League, everything that you've done with Valiant. I, I can't Say enough about my sensei. He is just like the epitome of what it is to just bring yourself to a place of prominence when nobody else is like you can actually spread their wings and make their vision real. This man paved the way for people like me to be able to create communities like this without Gordon Bellamy. The, the road to be JC would just be absolutely nuts. Aziza Brown with Dynamic Focus. She's doing so much work out there in New York City with her guys, sending them across the country, sending them across the world, participating in We Play with Soul Calibur in Ukraine. She's really making avenues for Sane right now, who was an LGBT player with Soul Calibur. We got John and Charlotte Gamers. He's actually a spanning uh, world-renowned artist, Jonathan Lynn Chase who is mentoring me with nerd culture and what I could do with the possibility of mixing art with that and just having just normal conversations with them and his influence and what they're doing. It's just so many that are just influencing the ally and the queer spectrum. So I just want to speak to so many, even in and out of fandom, even as individuals in as communities as a whole, these are just some of the many people that I see that just, when I'm sitting by myself and I'm thinking about, oh, well, I'm a leader, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to me, I'm not really that when i think about them when i think about you latisha in this podcast because it goes without saying you are part of that collective when i think about you guys i am not a leader i'm a fan so allow me to be a part of your fandom today and just say thank you thank you to all of you guys because you guys are amazing y'all keep me going
0: oh you're gonna make me cry okay thank you thank you so much and truly, again, this is season finale. Apparently, it's just going to be a big Power Packet episode. But, Daisy, I just want to repeat something that you said. Being fans of other people. I am a huge fan of yours. I'm a fan of Bianca's. I'm a fan of Nisha's. I'm a fan of every single person I've brought on this podcast and so many more. I am blessed. Blessed. To have these people in my life that I can call on or people who I've met through fandom spaces, people who I've met through the Twitter spaces, people whose voices I think the world needs to hear because the work that I think that is being done is important in the analysis and the critical looking at various lenses is so important because as we've said in this episode, we've been those kids in the corner with the comic book and I'm the only one. So there's one person out there who was like, is anyone else thinking about this besides me? Yes. And we wanna let you know that we're here. And we wanna let you know that love is real, and we want to let you know that it found family is possible, and we want to let you know that there are people who are in your struggle with you, and we want to let you know that we will nerd out with you, and we've been at the beginning, we've been at the middle, we fought the trolls, we you know, come back with the ring, we've also had to go back out and get the ring, we've also been stranded in the middle of the desert in the game, and you know, drowning on the water level, like we did through it all. <laughs> Uh, All right. Last one. Nisha, is there, you know, any story you want to tell
2: us? Well, you know how I feel about that. Everyone has found family for us. I live the result of fandom affecting and influencing in my life. I'm in medicine because of Doctor Who. No one really explained to me when I started watching at 13 that the doctor wasn't actually a doctor, but somehow the message of being that person who could heal the world in the most eclectically arrogant way, <laughs> somehow connected to me. And I decided in like at 13, I'm gonna be a doctor. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician as an MD because I do have lupus. Um, the lupus has been, is also part of my living experience and it has not made it possible to do those things. But I am a nurse practitioner, family practice, working on my doctorate and I am still caring for patients. So that fandom led me towards a path of medicine. Medicine is one of my largest fandoms, right? Because for me to be able to help someone heal and understand the journey of healing from the spiritual to the physical, to the holistic nature of it, it's life-giving for me when someone gets onto that path of healing and then gets better. I can't tell you what I feel like inside to start that journey with the patient or someone I'm consulting with or a fan even, because I do a lot of fan one-to-ones when they need me. And I I feel so fulfilled with it. So being in medicine was one thing, but to be able to then take my geek nerd self and say, hold it, we're going to merge those two. And we're going to create an entire new world of behavioral health modification in primary care based on being a fan, based on fandom. The research that we're writing is actually to rewrite an entire platform for self-care management through embracing and expressing your inner geek that we're going to try. We are working at incorporating into primary care at a global level. So, we're actually creating our own screening tool. We have a clinical team. Everyone on our clinical team, guess where I met them? Guess where I met them? Right here. <laughs> my best buddy and my best friend, and my closest person, Jonathan Panarello, who is my co researcher, I met on the steps of the wizarding world of Harry Potter when we did Occupy Diagon before Diagon Alley opened. That's how I met him my other clinical i met ian 11 years ago ian wagner who is one of my clinical counselors in psychology on our team i met him 11 years ago when he said i think i'm going to be a counselor and lo and behold what is he now and now who is he what are we doing together i mean come on it literally changes your entire existence to become part of these found families I changed my entire mindset about who I am. I left an abusive life. I have lived through many, many, many bouts of physical illness because I have the support of knowing that I have a greater passion. And that duty to that call of action and that responsibility keeps me grounded because I'm not going anywhere and I'm not letting the lupus get the better of me because I have people I am responsible for all of those lives out there which include my own kids so just the way that i exist even with my children and the fact that we watch bad batch together every sunday and every bit of star wars that comes out that we do it as a family we go over the whole damn story of why it's so brilliant no matter what other factions exist we know that we love this thing together That's a parenting skill that I'm very happy that I incorporated and all of that because I'm a damn nerd. (laughs) I'm a geek and I was not going to not have that in my life. And it took a long time for me to embrace it. And that changing changed my life. I am going to believe with everything I have and with all of you included in it as examples of why I have to continue that these are the successes of being a, a fan, being a nerd, being a geek and belonging to these communities who then support me in the journey but I and it's not perfect I will say that to everyone listening that doesn't mean that because we have an understanding of who we are and we have reached a level of confidence in a lot of ways in the relevance and the importance of embracing our inner geeks that doesn't mean that it's easy and that the journey is paved with gold because it's not but we're here to support each other. And I think 10 years ago, we would not have had it. And I certainly can tell you we didn't have it 20 years ago.
0: One thing that I think about, and it's this way that I combine my diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism work with my fandom. One of the analogies I often use is I say, I believe in the data technique or the data philosophy. What is that? So if you know, Star Trek, well, there's the character of data. Here's the thing about data. Data is an Android. Data will always be an Android. Data will never, ever be human. But it is in the constant working on himself, the constant development, the constant learning, the constant trying and failing and trying again that he is the most human. And I feel like when we are trying to be better people, we try and we fail and we make mistakes and we try again and we succeed and the goal is to become less sucky humans sometimes we fall flat in our faces sometimes we tell jokes that no one gets and sometimes we succeed and you have a character like data who let you know you can keep on going even when no one gets you dr Erin mcdonald she is a scientist and complete Star Trek Voyager fan and has ended up being a counselor for Star Trek while asking at one point Kate Mulgrew to sign her dissertation because seeing this female scientist inspired her. Michelle Nichols was contacted by NASA to literally help diversify the space program. Like all of these things happened in the fandom space, May Jameson became an astronaut because she saw Nichelle Nichols. Like, what? And we get to continue these legacies that inspire people to be doctors, be engineers or even just simply be better people. And I think that's the best thing of all. So finally, please let the lovely people who hopefully are still listening, Please the lovely people know where they can find you on the social medias and websites and any like immediate upcoming events or projects that they can support. Starting with Bianca.
1: You can find me book hoarding on most things or Bianca Hernandez. Look up book hoarding Bianca. That's probably better. Things that are coming up for me. Oh my goodness. I'm like everything. I want to do it all. A virtual Gen Con, it was a kind of one weekend like virtual thing, but we want to do pop up events. We want to do more because we know not everybody could do it at that time. So stay. Stay tuned for that. If you want to participate, want to be part of it, other upcoming things, I don't know. I want to be involved and have fun, so I just say follow me. I'm doing rom com movie nights, I guess, through the summer, uh, because I can't stop, won't stop with rom coms. If you hear me
0: laughing, Bianca's like this rom com chaos demon that I love to death. So, if you do hashtag romcom bracket, you will find her or romcom movie nights.
1: Please chaos. Please. Chaos and pain reign supreme because it's a bracket that everyone feels very invested in because we care. We care about those things that impacted us at certain points in our lives, and not everyone can win. Somehow, the mummy won this year.
0: I did an entire Twitter dissertation on this. So. <laughs>
1: that is the kind of chaos I'd bring to the world. If you'd like to join, follow me. If not, I understand sometimes you don't need that in your life and I'm okay with you accepting that. You understand your energy is not my energy. That's great.
0: <laughs> awesome. Nisha, how can people find you on the socials?
2: Um, you can find us on our social media sites, Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Insta, Twitch, which just went live last week with our mental wellness series so as of may 14th we are hosting um, a weekly mental wellness series which is called diversely me myself and i a self-care journey and embracing your inner geek so it's basically our little lovely team of wonderful geeky scientists discussing the spectrum of mental illness, coping strategies, and healing strategies where we can embrace our fandoms and how we can use those as as examples for creating our own self-care path and our own self-care journeys. We are doing it for three weeks in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. And then in June, on June 27th, you'll be seeing Leticia with me on our June virtual live show, which is a one-day event And it's in honor of PTSD and Anxiety Awareness Day, where we're going to be talking very extensively on coping and healing strategies post-COVID, but yet at the same time, extremely embedded in PTSD and, and anxiety spectrum with fandom, through fandom. We have eight panels coming to you. And... After that, that is the official launch of the Diversely Me Foundation. Our platforms where we're doing mentorship programs through Eventbrite and also consulship, what is once twice a month mental wellness through our social media sites. And then we're starting a journaling to self-care platform where we're going to walk you through how to create your own self-care journals through your fandoms. I've actually created and written my own books, which will be launching pretty soon after that. So I know that's a lot. But
0: there you go. That's great. Now, your handle on everything is at Diversely Geek?
2: At Diversely Geek. And we are diverselygeek.org. So you can just check us out online at diverselygeek.org. Open the the website, which will then hyperlink you to any of our sites. And we are taking submissions for positive articles on how fandom has influenced you positively. We're looking for about 50 uh, pieces to go towards the research, which will be hosted
0: on the website. Awesome.
3: Thank you for sharing. All right, JC, bring us home. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> logging into Twitch so I can follow Diversity Geek and share that up. self-care once a week in my group because we You can find me at facebook.com slash groups slash a gay G-A-P-O-C. You can find me at twitter.com slash WJC. I'm on a podcast called T.O. Talks. That's another story for another day. And then I'm also doing stuff with gaypox. So I'm like kind of traversing, working with a couple of indie developers behind the scenes because next year we do want to launch 28 Days of Gaming. So I started that this year and one of the people I featured actually caught a lot of steam and his game went viral. He was developing this fighting game called Five Force Fighters, his the retweets became insane. And I couldn't believe that me just doing a little article about this kid just caught so much steam in the community. I sent him an opportunity to do an internship with Niantic. I think he got it. And they're about to launch Kickstarter in July. So I see the influence of what this does here. So I'm working on very hard in the background. We want to have conversations with people that aren't in the front of things and are in the in the back of things. So we want to cover bigger voices like Timnit Gebru. what happened with Google, with her diversity issue that she was bringing forth without apology. And then I also want to cover some indie developers, and hopefully that the same theme that Five Force Fighters caught this year that we can be able to create for other platforms and avenues next year. We didn't know it was going to go the way it did. So we're excited about that. We're working hard behind. that. We're also going back outside. Charlotte, I will see you July 9th. We are working in conjunction with the House of West inaugural House Ball on July 10th. I'll be doing an event that Friday in conjunction with Charlotte Gamers. I am also trying to lock down a contract with a very large convention that I cannot name out loud just yet. But as soon as I. I love
0: mysterious (laughs) NDAs.
3: I want to jump the gun and say something, but I will be making that announcement on my Facebook page. Just look up J-A-Y-C-E-E-D-U-B-Y-U-H on Facebook and you guys will see me. I'm also a part of the House of Bears, so I'm trying to figure out what my co-admins over there want to do with branding. So it's a lot. Uh, Just try to keep up with me if you can.
0: Well, I am so delighted that the listeners of Interspective have had a chance to meet all of you, support what you're doing. Please follow each one of these people on the socials, support their work and Again, this is the season finale. Of course, it's not the last you've heard of me, but we'll be taking a break. There will be some things for Introspection that'll be coming up this summer. So keep a look out for that. A couple bonus episodes, probably get a Patreon at some point because season one was great. Season two is probably going to cost some money. So please keep an eye out for that as well. But it has been a wonderful adventure. This has been a special, special journey. And I want to thank everyone for being a part of it. And please stay encouraged. Please stay positive. Use your voice. And remember that the reason why we're here, the reason why we talk about these things, the reason why we come together in any shape, form, or fashion is out of love. Love for our hobbies, love for each other, and love for what we can do to support each other in the greater, wider world. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of the introspectional journey and everyone have a great day.